Are those all red? Yes, they're still red, the same as they were. Can you imagine what it would like to be like to be colorblind? No. I don't understand it. Like, Have you ever taken one of those tests? I feel yeah. like I'm slightly colorblind. I oh, can't, really? I can't always see the numbers. Um, no, I can see <clears> them all. Always. Remember uh, those dot pictures that were popular in like the late 90s? Yeah, the mindscapes or whatever what were they called. Um, yeah, like you had to relax your eyes. Yeah, the one... I'd, I yeah. could never see this. I had to get drunk before I could see one. Oh, really? The first time I got drunk, I was at a party, um, and I saw one, and I was Were like- Were you super excited? Holy shit, I can figure it out. And then from there, I could see him sober. Really? Yeah, I've yeah. never been able to see one, ever. We, uh, so I, There's something <clears throat> particularly poignant about the scene from Mallrats where Walter's trying to see the sailboat, and he like, brings a lunch- yeah, did you remember this? Did, mm. no, have you not seen the movie Mallrats? Yeah. Yeah, the whole, like, where the, the fat guy, oh, yeah, who's yeah. now jacked. Right. Now I remember that. He's like, why, God? Yep. Why can't I see the sailboat? And the kid's like, it's a schooner, stupid head. He goes, a schooner is a sailboat, you fucking idiot. And, like, the kid or whatever, yeah. Like, kid cries running off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When uh, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, and the University of Illinois... Which had, at least at the time... Are those the Illini? The Illini. Illini, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. I have no idea how to pronounce the that. fighting Illini. Um, <clears throat> they had the biggest Greek system of any university in the country. Uh, it was like 112 or 110 fraternities and sororities. And this, like it was like over half of the undergraduate population was in the Greek system. I think part of the reason it was so big was that bar time in Champaign-Urbana, the two towns that kind of straddle the university, was like 1 a.m. So the bars closed super early. You know, they like... So you had a party somewhere else? Last call was like 12.30, right? So like you had to be able to go somewhere. I don't really understand any places that are like that. Yeah, I don't get it either. Um, you also could get into bars there if you were either 18 or 19, uh, but you couldn't drink, supposedly. Uh, <laughs> supposedly. I always anyway. looked young, so I'd, I had no chance. The Greek I was a kid system. that got my D. I got a, a minor in possession sitting at the bar. Someone offered me a beer. It sat in front of me. I had not had anything of it to drink. A cop walked in and looked at me and goes, come with me. And I was like, <laughs> why? I'm just minding my own business, officer. He's like, you look like you're 12. I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> Where's your ID? It says I'm 19. Yes. Yes, I am 19. Fuck. You know, I mean, it's all... Part of the the rites of passage. Yeah. Now I'm 38 up. and I look 52. So <laughs> yeah, fucking heart swing. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, rush for fraternities and sororities because the system was so big. Actually started senior year of high school. So fraternities would like court. You know, like especially like Chicago area. Uh, this is some high animal schools. house shit, right? It, dude, I I believe. I think Animal House was written by dudes from Harvard, like National Lampoons. But I think one of the guys may have gone to University of Illinois. This feels um, very National Lampoonish. I think I think there's some kind of tie with Animal House to University of Illinois. We'll have to figure it out later. But uh, one of my good friends, actually, dude that works here now, Jeff Perlstein. Well, his, he doesn't work here per se, due to his status. He works as your company. lifetime best friend. He is one of our most prestigious remote employees. That's true. <laughs> he, work, he works for the company. It's cool. I'm going to use this as social capital five years from now when I'm like, by the way, I intend to move to Bavaria and I will can I will maintain my duties from afar. But don't worry, I'll come by once a quarter, which I will renege on immediately, by the way. Jeff is the, I would say, hardest working employee in the company. I love Jeff. No, I'm not bagging on Jeff. I'm grateful that Jeff has paved a pathway for future virtual employees. For future virtual employees that are willing to be as productive, as communicative, and as hardworking as he is. hundred percent. Right. I'm there. I'm not bashing not, Jeff. Not. I'm just saying I like the idea of being able to move to a stunning vacation destination. <laughs> With a hippie garden in the back. Also, Jeff's work entails him basically putting blinders on, sitting down in front of the computer and cranking out creative work. I need, Yours I need that. Is <laughs> and not creative. Not really creative, much more just content production oriented. No one even knows right? what I do. I don't even know what I do from day to day. It's what like, you what need you to do is you need to get a gyrocopter 
You can move to Asheville. And I can commute. You can commute in like two or three days a week. Man. What's happening? Well, that's, could, uh, that's Doug coming in his gyrocopter. My camping trailer, which we keep in the office that I know you love having there. I can sleep in it. You can sleep in it, man. <laughs> Finally come, come to good use. I'm always curious uh, what the life expectancy of a gyrocopter owner is. It's got to be low. Dude, I mean, like, it's it's like that guy. Oh, speaking of current events, since we don't usually do that, what about the rocket man that died in Nevada? Did you see the video of that? Mm-mm. Oh, what, you didn't? No. So I had not paid any attention to him. Uh, I'm feeling as though I may have been missing out by not. But he's, he's a man who's had multiple death-defying incidents where he almost died, where he, he holds the record for, like, the longest nose to tail bus jump or something on a motorcycle or car. Hmm. I don't know. Basically the dude's almost killed himself a bunch of times. So he's building a rocket, which you think to yourself, wow, that's a lot of science. It goes in that. Then you realize like it's a pneumatic rocket. It's not even a fueled one. He's like charging it up with air and then launching off of a rail system on the back of like a two and a half ton farm truck. And it looks like, it looks like a scud missile launcher. It's like one of those like pumpkin launchers. Yeah, no, no, for sure. It's 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 angled, and this dude yeah, has yeah. this odd like airplane kind of thing that's got a. It's basically a giant children's jet. toy. Yeah, well, so remember those things, the rockets you'd fill with water and you'd pump them up yeah, on the yeah. base. Well, yeah. I, it, it's actually the ones that I remember are the ones that had the uh, the fuel boosters where you like light them and there was multiple stage rockets, so you oh, could get I mean, them to go way like, more advanced. Yeah, and those can go like fucking super high right yeah well those are solid state engines right yep so and those rockets also had an a fully enclosed in the nose cone parachute parachute yeah yeah. this guy so i'd love to see the schematics of his of his rocket i don't know if this is one or two his first or second launch he did one like last year and he interviewed with like you know major news organizations like that rocket is just trying to kill you all the time you know you're like oh well, yeah, for sure. I can get that. <laughs> and he, I don't know where he strapped said parachute to the rocket, but on this particular launch, you can see the rocket leaving the rails and flailing behind it and floating to the ground slowly is a parachute. Oh, shit. It just like, yeah, like it ripped off the rocket and it's like fluttering to the ground as the rocket goes. It's like the army man parachute that's oh. just like <laughs> tangled and crumpled yep. from the get go. It's never going to work. This, I don't know what the, I don't, I mean, literally it was a bunch of like aghast people. There was no screaming until he turned the rock into a lawn dart on the other side of the hill or whatever. And people are shrieking and you're like, um, probably should have started screaming as soon as you realized his parachute <laughs> wasn't attached anymore. Right. I don't know how that happens, hmm. but it seemed to be a pretty big mistake for someone who's trying his plan. So he claimed, I, I don't know if I even believe any of this shit anymore, but I mean, like he said that the world was flat. And that he wouldn't believe that the earth was round until you know, he saw for himself. We're better off without him. Well, he was going, I mean, to his credit, he was applying the scientific method. Because his plan was to take <clears throat> his pneumatic powered rocket into the near stratosphere where he would then see. Uh, Dude, the, for real, the gene pool and us as a country are better off without people of that intellect. Today, Aaron advocates eugenics. I'm not advocating <laughs> eugenics. <laughs> Self-selection. Self-selection's fine with me. They mean basically self-applied eugenics. Mm, I don't think that really... One thing we know for sure about this farmer... Self-applied Yeah, one thing we know for sure about this farmer... I think that's an oxymoron. He was not Jewish. No Jewish person would be dumb enough to shoot a pneumatic rocket. (laughs) You are obsessed with the Jew thing. I know. I'm just talking about eugenics. The Jews just happen to be the focus of most eugenics that we've talked about in like the last 200 years. Dude. From three hundred, the, the moment you History. learned that you were part Jew, which was about seventeen minutes after, <laughs> after you, you started me. working here, <laughs> and you realized that I was Jewish. <laughs> I knew you were Jewish the whole time. It was the mezuzah thing. Hey, look! I just got an email from twenty-one <laughs> from and me. And me. <laughs> twenty-one and me. No product placement <laughs> in this, in this right? podcast. What is it? Twenty-three and me. Yeah, twenty-one and me. Twenty-three and me. Twenty-one and me is cool. It's twenty-three and me. Right. But we now have ruined our no product placement thing. Also, I'm drinking Ruck Pack from a Frontier coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Spaceballs, the flamethrower. <laughs> oh, so let me finish my story. Continue. So, the Rush, yeah, Rush starts senior year 
I knew that I wasn't going to the University of Illinois because I definitely knew that I did not want to join a fraternity. But Jeff's brother-in-law and older brother both had gone to this one fraternity or had been part of this one fraternity at Illinois. What was it? Pi Lambda Phi. Okay. And they invited us down as kind of along with him senior year to come kind of like interview, if that's what it is. So they brought us out, uh, super lightweight drinkers. You know, I was like getting blasted on like Amaretto and like Zima. You remember Zima? I do remember Zima. It's still being sold. Really? Yeah. They brought it back, huh? No, I don't think it ever went away. Mm, It must have gone away, man. I, I mean... I don't know. Maybe I'm confusing this with Smirnoff Ice, which is certainly still being sold. But let me see. I hadn't heard that maybe Zima came back, but I'm I would be really surprised if Zima hadn't died for some period of time. I'm gonna check the history of Zima when we finish this story. All right. So <clears throat> anyway, it's like four in the morning, back at the fraternity house, drinking more there, and they have pizza brought in. I'm so hungry, right? It's like drunk drunk hunger. It's like the munchies. And uh, I started eating this pizza. They're watching Animal House. And for the first time in my life, I'm eating food and I like can feel it in my mouth, but I literally cannot taste anything. It's not even like it tastes bland. Are like, you having I, like, an allergic reaction to Zima? I don't know. But <laughs> it was like, uh, it was almost like a numb hand thing or something. You know, it's like, you feel something maybe in that area, but, and maybe two minutes later, I throw up all over myself sitting on this couch. Oh, nice. And my friends, way more concerned about looking cool for these fucking dudes at this fraternity that we've never met before, fucking side hurdle over like the sides and back of the couch. So they're not associated like, with you? Yeah. Nice. Fuck, fuck you, loser. Like, <laughs> thanks a lot. <clears throat> Zima was discontinued in 2008. All right. However, there have been limited releases in 2017 and 2018. Testing the market. Coors Brewing Company must be very desperate. Also related searches are, is Zima coming back in 2019? <laughs> Dude, they probably just found like a stash of it in the back of a warehouse. It did not return in 2019. Yeah. I hate to disappoint everyone. The, I can't see it doing well. The branding is very like... Uh, Zima. Z Cabarici. You know, it's, like, uh, you know, I mean, I don't really understand Smirnoff Ice either. so fucking old, man. I can't believe that people listen to this and aren't like... That guy is a fucking old ass grandpa. I don't understand why anyone listens to this at all. <laughs> uh, Although the reviews we get are that you and I have a seemingly genuine repartee. I don't understand se- it. Seemingly genuine. <laughs> yeah. is the... What you guys don't know is that Aaron and I are going to win Academy Awards for this because we actually hate each other. We we leave here and we we cut each other's brake lines. <laughs> we're we're literally trying to put coronavirus in each a... other's kids' drinks. You know, it's like, haha, spite. There's an underlying hatred of, that kind of like fuels our relationship, I think. I feel as though it's mostly self-loathing. That really? then, yeah, it manifests in outbursts that we both are embarrassed by and then realize that we really do love each other. That's probably fair. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I personally can attest that I have several dump truck loads of self-loathing <laughs> to offload on any given day. And honestly, I think that's probably one of the reasons why my relationship with my wife has lasted as long as it has, because she's been confirmation bias for the self-loathing that I feel, where it's like... I thought we weren't talking about your wife on this thing. I mean, the exception has now been made. All right. It's like a thing. <laughs> She'll never listen, says a guy. <laughs> it's like, shit. <laughs> um... Yeah, when you say that Lisa doesn't listen to this. She actually did start. Damn it. Did she really? She started, yeah. Um, did she? Did it was. She listened to the one where I defended dog jujitsu, and she still. No, no, she listened to one of the recent ones. Oh, thank God. Uh, and I don't think she'll listen again, but it was literally a conversation at the kitchen table that was like, without the kids. She was like, what do you talk about? You know, I talked about doing a podcast. She's like, what do you talk about in the podcast? Like, Nothing. I bet you talk about how much your wives suck. Like, <laughs> no, never talk about that kind of shit. I'm going to listen just to make sure. Right, you're going to be bored. She listened to one. We talk about ridiculous karate forms <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by it, Waldorf school people. <laughs> and like literally I got a message from some dude the other day about, cause you know, I mentioned uh, James Harriet. Yeah, yeah. The all creatures great and small shit. And the dude was like, on a scale of one to ten, 
I'm assuming that you were homeschooled at a 12 level. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, all the way through eighth grade, man, for sure. And he was like, man, I went through, he's like, I went all 12 years and I wanted to be a veterinarian as a kid because of James Harriet. And no shit. Like, yeah, he's a fucking, did you not, did you never see the ones on BBC? Uh-uh. The shows are amazing. The books are good. I mean, it's um, really good. It's about a guy who's a veterinarian who returns back to be part of a family practice that, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's a good shit series. Very clean, but funny. Very, uh, I believe that most of my anachronistic, weird behavior is based off of um, reading P.G. Woodhouse and like adopting the affectations of the of weird British people <laughs> hmm. from literature. See, veterinary shows have been ruined for me by being married to a veterinarian. So, I mean, it's not like know, it's House where like there's some sort of reality check thing that's going on. Uh, so. Do you know, you've seen that show, Dr. Pole? No. The fucking, so there's this, I don't even know if it's on the air still, but there was a Discovery Channel channel show, Dr. Pole, P-O-L. Was it like and, a reality thing? Yeah, so he's this country vet, yep. and it's like, he's this fucking super old dude, and the whole thing is like, meet Dr. Pole, like he's been practicing veterinary medicine for 50 years, like, you know, he he's forgotten more about veterinary medicine than like most vets will like ever learn. And but he it's can, a lie. He can fix a fucking dog and a cow and a fucking. So we watched it together. I mean, years ago. Did Lisa shit all over it? Dude, she was like, first of all, from the very get go, she's like, dude, the guy, the shit this guy is saying and the things that he's doing are practices from like fucking 50 years ago when he went. Like, he has not updated his. I approve. His skills, right? (laughs) So the whole so what time we're going to do is we're going to pack this thing in ice and wait for the real doctors to show up. <laughs> so, you know, she's getting more and more pissed about the, about the whole thing. Well, he's seeing this dog. This dog comes in. I forget what the fucking thing is It at his office. Right. Hopefully it was a bully breed. It was done. Oh, because I know that would inspire you to greater rage. It was. Uh, <laughs> this man doesn't <laughs> take care of bully breeds. It was like a great Pyrenees or something. Some kind, you know, some farm dog. Dude lives out in the fucking country. So this, he looks at this x-ray, and from the couch, looking at the x-ray on the TV, Lisa's like, dude, that dog is super fucked. If it doesn't go to surgery, like, right now, it's going to die. I think some right? Tylenol will solve this. Doggy Tylenol. So he he's like, meanwhile, he gets a fucking, like, emergency call for... Say it's know, a duck. Say a duck. Far, no. <laughs> Farmer Farmer Bob's cow is having problems or something. We got to fucking cruise out there right away, right? So he's like, well, you know, we'll just uh, let this dog hang out here for a little bit, see if it starts feeling better when we get back. Meanwhile, we're going to go fucking visit this cow. Dog is dead. Dude, my wife is screaming at the fucking TV, <laughs> right? Exactly. She's like, no, dude. Like, if you fucking leave... The dog's going to be dead when you get back. I feel like this makes back. a good television, but also, like, it kind of goes against Dr. Pohl being a subject matter expert. It doesn't make good television because when the dude gets back, the fucking dog is dead. Yes. And it's just like, it's like, well, I guess we'll never know what happened. <laughs> and fucking, dude, my wife is, like, in a fucking rage next to me. Like, dude, that is fucking criminal malpractice. Maybe not criminal, but it's we just, know, it's I just, know what happens. It's just a dog, Lisa. Is it, I, I firmly still hold I, by the belief that no things I, that humans can do to animals should put humans in prison. Uh, I disagree with I that. I know you do. We have had this talk. <laughs> I'm but, like, they're animals. Listen, I think it's more about the fact that there's this TV show. I say this is like Cuddle a Black Lab. <laughs> I'm like, oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> there's this TV show that is making this guy out to be this fucking magician veterinarian that fucking knows everything this is all He's super fucking television. awesome orange county chopper and the fact yeah the fact is this guy fucking sucks <laughs> yeah, man because like, no you would real never, veterinarian would want to be on tv you would never want to take your own dog to a dude like this have you met a veterinarian that has a good personality well yeah i'm fucking married i mean one. yeah thanks Got dude note. i mean just saying thanks like, a lot man they're doctors too you know what listen <laughs> listen to this it took fucking six or seven years for you <laughs> To get off of Lisa's shit list. Shit list. <laughs> and if she listens to this, you're going to be... Oh, back on the shit list. Definitely right back, back on the it. shit list. But, I mean, the point remains that people that go to medical school are not going because they're like, you know what, this is going to allow me to interact uh, with people that I have built 
long-term relationships with. And when you're going to be a doctor you're for talking dogs, about veterinary school or medic, it's human, not, medical both. school? Both. Like, it's not like you're going to veterinary school because you're going to talk to the animals. Like, Dr. Doolittle. No, but the people that go to veterinary school really give a shit about animals. No, no. That's They're not doing what, it that's, yeah, that's not what because they really care. I 100% believe that they care about animals, but that doesn't mean that they, like, have, like, great personalities. So when you think about it, you're like, uh, we want to do a TV oh. show about a veterinarian how do we find a veterinarian that wants to talk to people? Yeah, I mean, I we, think that there are some vets that are super personal. There are definitely a lot of vets that are super weirdos. You know, like well, this a, is the nature of all creatures. A lot of them are, small. you know, they breed cats or they breed dogs. Yep. I, I think anyone that breeds animals, especially domestic animals, yeah, is a fucking weirdo. <laughs> um, no, just straight no, up, dude, man. Do not, straight do up, not take issue with that. If you believe. Look, look, man, my wife, my, my, my pug wife is left so me. special. Other people should deserve yeah, to have my, the progeny of my pug. You don't get it, man. My wife left me, and I can't fucking get a real job. And so I just got to make sure these dogs I have that are AKC full registered <laughs> just keep fucking. All right, and I'll sell them for three thousand dollars a puppy. But that's the thing is that I think that there's the puppy mill people that are just like fucking ring the register, man. And then there's the people. The rent, man. I think the vets that are breeders are much more about. Feeling like they are, they're better at supplying the world with like. I didn't even know there were vets that did breeding. I think a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of vets are breeders. Really? I bet more veterinarians are dog breeders than like the average population. Huh. It's an interesting premise. I was really just talking about the fact that this very uh, quirky and lovable selection of characters from all creatures great and small is a representation of the different personalities that are indicative of the difficulty of creating a reality television I'll have to check show. it out. My kids sound like, it sounds oh, he, like my kids would dig it. It's really great. It's a, it's a super cool deal. Uh, it's tales written by, I mean, if I recall, it's been a long time, but I'm pretty sure it's like a self-written thing. The guy who wrote them, James Harriet, mm-hmm. was a veterinarian. He was a dog. No, he was a veterinarian. <laughs> he was a dog. <laughs> He's a veterinarian, and it's an all-animal practice. So it's like in rural England, this family of veterinarians that bring James Harriet into their practice, and like there's like this generation gap between the two brothers and the way that they deal with things, yeah. and like this new guy meeting all the farmers that are used to the same vets and. You know, relationships and taking care of, like, animals from cows to ducks to puppies, whatever. And also mm-hmm. James falling in love. You know, it's very, it's very touching. Not with animals. No, I mean, I, I although in the 21st century, we don't judge such things. In in the 20th century, it was frowned upon. <laughs> I think it's still frowned upon. Generally speaking, I am not here to judge Zay, Zem, whatever <laughs> gender pronoun you choose. <clears throat> Fair enough. Yep. Um, or your proclivities sexually, as long as you and the dog love each other, I suppose it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Look, man, we're going to go, we're going to Japan, <clears throat> the land of sex robots. I, 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 I'm not sure I see a difference. Between sex robots and dogs? You love that duck, bro. Fuck the duck. You know? Uh, there's definitely a big difference between sex robots and dogs, man. Maybe mm-hmm. robotic sex dogs. <laughs> robotic sex dogs. I can sign off In on a that. future world where robotic sex goats roam the hills of Southwest Asia. I would argue that if you're having sex with an animal, you're raping it. I mean, I'm certain that consent hasn't necessarily been granted, but then like the Bodhi thing pops up where it's like, I didn't see the dog resisting at all. Like it had a dopey look on its face. The Bodhi thing? Yeah, Raven's dog. When my failed adoption, Charlie took advantage of him oh but not really it looked like it was consensual uh no words were i mean dog on dog rape is totally different is it totally different i think so i feel like you would classify all sexual encounters with animals incapable of granting no i think interspecies coitus (laughs) this is officially the weirdest conversation we've had on this podcast i don't know why this is reminding me of it but did you see the trailer there's a fucking lebowski spinoff about jesus coming out a full movie. The Bowler? Yeah. Really? It's like a real movie. Stop. I'm pretty sure. No yeah, way. yeah. Dude, also. We'll have to watch the Jericho trailer. posted something on Facebook. Oh, you know, stop the presses. He's the king of posting, like, difficult <laughs> opinions on Facebook. But he posted a deal where it's like, ah, you know, fucking Netflix. Only one in ten things is worth watching these days. And I at first was like, typical sour grapes Jericho. 
I have watched some really bad shit on Netflix lately. Uh, I'm good at not fucking digging deep, man. If it if it doesn't get me right off the bat, unless someone that I really trust is like, I just give keep, it a minute. I just keep watching because things that are like, like I watched a movie called Mr. Right featuring Anna Kendrick and what was the dude that played George W. Bush? Dude, you're turning into like a fucking 45-year-old housewife. I enjoy romantic comedies. There's no shame in that. I just... Get on the couch with Creed and a, <laughs> we make out, a fucking box, some ice cream. A box of rosé. <laughs> I will say this. It was, the premise was that Anna Kendrick becomes a hitman and Sam, whatever his name is, is the hitman. I'm going to get you a hunky but, fireman calendar. <laughs> I already have one. It's all going to be Nolan and I are both Nolan and Ryan Peters. <laughs> I still love when I stole Nolan's hat and I put it over my junk, <laughs> that photograph. It, the best is when we got him to do it, too. I have that photograph as blackmail. Anytime he tries to flex on me about anything, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should post this picture. And I get a message from, please don't post that picture. Never let it see the light of day. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. I have power now. Dude, you are a pimp. Not yet. SF, I haven't made any money off it. SFPimps.com. <laughs> SFPimps.com. When your special forces friend asks if he should start an OnlyFans page. You know what? Professional professional directions here's would what say he should, no. Here's what you should do. Wear clown masks. Get one of those white masks and paint it. Like Guy Fox? No. Or like the Jabberwockies? Yeah, just like a plain white like, uh, yeah, like bank, ja- bank robber. Yeah, the Jabberwockies. Yeah, yeah. And paint it in the flash of a different of group. a different group? That is some fucking meme coalition level shit. Throw, like, throw the fucking set off. When all the warrant officers in the company start making meme accounts on Instagram, right. and they all act like it's an NCO or an officer, like, I'm going to call this one 18 Alpha Chronicles. No one will ever guess it was me. Ha, ha, ha. And then, somehow, that account no longer exists. Deception. But sad to me, because they were very funny lads, and I hope they listen. What do you think happened? I, I think that... I think that an outright rash of too close to home memes about everything going on in the USASOC world is probably not the kind of thing that command wants to happen. And even if Lance captain survived, he was funny and also gave zero fucks because he was on his way out already. I have a feeling that the SF meme accounts were piloted by people who had aspirations to be on 20 years of government welfare. Followed by an, a lifetime of government welfare. That's how I look at military retirement. I really hope people are listening to this. <laughs> Don't slay the fatted calf of whose teat you suckle on, young men. Just keep plodding forward. Let the system destroy itself. Fly too close to the sun. Yeah, that's all right. I'm looking for my 20-year check, too. I am really digging Giri Haji, this uh, Japanese cop show. Um. Have you, did you finish it yet? Not yet. Yeah. I think we're do we episode wanna, five of eight. I do, definitely do not want you to ruin it for No, me. no, I wasn't going to ruin anything. I was just going to talk about it a little bit, like the character development. I really like the brother cop. Yeah. Um, the Yakuza brother is kind of a pussy. Like, they make him out like he's this badass dude, yeah. but all it does is highlight to me how weak-ass British gangsters are, when they're like, this guy's so tough, and I'm like, that's weird. Every fucking Tom, Dick, or Harry on the block in Japan was beating this kid's ass. That was one thing that I really had a problem with in episode four. Spoiler alert. I was like, man, the Albanians would have fucking slayed these dudes. Oh, because they're like 130-pound little bitches. There's no amount of karate that fucking is going to make. <laughs> like, hey, check it out. I got a shotgun. No, yep, but just... And I got called out there. Dude, it's like 40 Albanians with automatic weapons and 20 fucking British gangsters, guys. Yep. They, it, they are real tough. No contest, man. No. No contest. And they're fucking weak. I mean... That's the other thing. The guy that plays the head British gangster is not convincing well it's not convincing because he's this british gangster with a bunch of russian prison tattoos and there's no reference to any russian ties at all no no no. if he was a russian i'd be like oh he looks more like a hipster than a gangster yeah no it's the the casting is odd the show in general is really i enjoy it but i feel like it's because i'm gonna make a parallel that you're going to laugh at you know how for years i've been telling you that m sushi is the best sushi i've ever had and for years, <laughs> dude, you, I I don't want to talk shit about that place because no, I love it. The guy that 
owns it. It's yeah. fucking awesome. And the food is really good. No, it's amazing. But, but I'll tell you why I like it. All right. It's not because... So my unsophisticated palate cannot necessarily tell the difference between middle ground sushi and excellent sushi. In you a take month, me to some really nice places. In a month, I'm going to ruin... You say that, but I know why I prefer M Sushi to all these other places. It's because it is a mishmash. It is a fusion of other things. It's not sushi. It is some odd southeastern American sushi fusion. Mm, you make no. You make it sound like chilies when you say that. It is. It is. The, it is not a fucking okay, chilies of, of sushi, man. Give this guy some credit. Well, no, no. <laughs> now you're defending him. I, have I, the, I just said it's the best I'll sushi I've ever had. I have the southwestern tuna egg rolls. But in some ways, and, it uh, is that. Give me some of those eel poppers. No, dude, it he is does, not that. like, squid. Like, he does things that no sushi restaurant would do. Like, the squid ink fettuccine with, like, the crack, the crisp thing on top. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, kind of modern Japanese. Uh, yeah, the, but if I may, when you look at the restaurant description, it says... Like Southeastern Sushi Fusion. That's what it says? I believe. I looked at it and I went, oh shit. It's like thing where I was like, no wonder I like it. But also... You're getting the squint eye from me, man. I'm looking real quick because I am curious. But it definitely had a thing where it classified it as... Uh, I was like, oh, that's not really just sushi, right? But the thing is, I feel like Giri Haji is the M Sushi of Japanese television. Where yeah. it's like, we've mishmashed elements of Western television... Like we've put enough common threads in it that Westerners can dis they can consume it and understand what's going on structurally, but we've also put a bunch of like aspects of like Eastern culture and tradition that Westerners also want to believe in and understand, like Dude, the concepts of family and it's um, uh, Black Rain. Did you like that movie with Michael Douglas? I thought it was phenomenal. I don't even think I've ever seen it. What? No, I feel really? like no. I, I'm aware of the title, but I don't think I've seen it. Dude, awesome '80s movie, kind of like Red Heat. Uh, you know, maybe even in the Beverly Hills Cop kind of genre, although that was a comedy. But there were all these movies, right? There, it was like. There's a crime in another nation or another city that's like somehow related to our police department here. We're sending you thousands of miles away to fucking solve it because none of the fucking dudes there know what they're doing, right? So Michael Douglas gets sent to Japan to solve this fucking Yakuza crime and from like L.A. or Detroit or New York, wherever the fuck he's from. I think it was L.A. Really cool motorcycle scenes. Uh... Also, you know what? That movie is what planted the seed that ultimately led me to purchase that 1993 Mercedes 500E. Really? Yeah, because there was a, it was a coupe, but there was a, that same model year AMG coupe in that movie that was fucking awesome. Southeastern is the wrong turn of words. What does it say? So... This is off of their website, All right. so it's in their words. Yes. M Sushi is the Triangle's first sushi restaurant dedicated solely to high-quality seafood. At that point, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm wrong, but we must continue. Our menu is small and purposeful and uses only very special seasonal seafood received directly from Japan, Korea, and the U.S. I'm still wrong. <laughs> the quality of our dishes is a direct result of our dedication to fresh ingredients and our emphasis placed on maintaining traditional Japanese cuisine with Peruvian and Spanish influences. Hmm. But I read that and I was like, ah, there there's go. the catch. Because I love like Peruvian and Spanish food too. And like a lot of like the... Are you big on the Peruvian chicken places? So I've never been to one. Really? Nope. But I do enjoy... Yeah. I can't believe that. Are they good? You would fucking love it. Yeah, I'm down. Is it just all the chicken you can eat? On Friday? No, no, no. It's, it's like, not like, a it's like it's chicken not and rice with like this like yellow sauce. Um... We'll go on Friday. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. Peruvian chicken Friday. But yeah, I definitely realized though that like my affinity to that place had a lot to do with the fact that there's like been some X factor. And I mean, everything they serve is amazing. I've Just never had anything wait bad there. until we go to Tapas Molecular. Well, so, and there's also this thing, the X factor there is I've always wanted to go to Japan. I've always been confused by Japanese culture. Like mm -hmm. the dichotomy of like ultra modern and this like really traditional past. Uh, I mean, almost, almost oddly historical and in recent times, right? Like, I yeah. mean, it was like, we're like 70 years away from 
an emperor and a lot of like feud a feudal system. That's what I love about the city so much, man. It's like at the same time, like very historic and traditional and but also ultra modern and super high tech. Yeah, I'm I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see it, uh, but also I know that while we're there, everywhere we go, I'm going to have this like fangirl, like, oh my God, we're in Tokyo, we're in Tokyo. And then I'm going to get on the plane to go home and I'm just going to crash like a sack of shit. That's all right. Worth it. That's how it goes sometimes. No, 100% worth it. I'm go so, fucking. I'm, I'm so excited. All out and then just collapse. Oh, so. speaking of, no one in the office seemed super excited about the formula experience that Kim is not going to go on. And I don't have an answer yet on whether it's going to be transferable. But since no one in the office wanted to take us up on it. You should raffle it off on Instagram or something. Well, I wonder if anybody that's listening to this podcast would like to attend a formula experience at Virginia International Raceway, courtesy of Kimberly. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. First person to write in? Yeah. I feel like, uh, I mean, obviously you're going to have to travel to Virginia. What's the date? I believe it's March 27th. All right. Um, I've got to see if it's transferable, but if somebody if somebody emails in and says they want to do that, uh, I will be happy to transfer it to them. My dad and brother got me one for my birthday a couple of years ago, and I barely fit shoulder width in the car. Oh, cockpit. in the car? Yeah, it, yeah. They look small. They're tiny. Um it was really tight, and I was a little nervous because it was like, man, if I crash this thing, there's like no way I'm getting out of this without them fucking cutting <laughs> the it jaws open. of life. Yeah. Also, I think if you crash, you're just totally fucked. Uh, but you'd have to really fuck something up on a bank track to crash one of those things. I mean, I, the, the... I think we hit trap speeds of like 140, 150. I mean, you really get cruising. So I mean, it's a day experience, and there doesn't seem to be a ton of like uh instruction that goes into it which leads me to believe that it's reasonably safe dude they have the they have the line marked out on the on the track oh do they so you follow the line they paint gates on the track so it's not necessarily like one continuous line but you know every 300 feet or whatever it is there's like a gate so as you go through one gate you're like looking to the next gate and they're basically putting you on the optimal line you know, to kind of like hit the inside, get the apex of the corner, and come back out into the straight. Right on. So it's yeah. cool. We'll throw that out there. We'll see who wants to who wants to party. At least that's how it was in uh, in Charlotte. We'll see if it's transferable first. Yeah, this was in Charlotte. I went to the in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. I, so I looked at the one in Charlotte, <clears throat> and this one seemed to be more no holds barred. Like it seemed like Virginia Virginia International Raceway had a more cavalier attitude towards getting you out there and getting it on. There you go, man. And I was like, well, make sure that the case of moonshine is well strapped down because we're about to to get into some serious business. It's probably a more engaging drive, too, because it's not a NASCAR track. Yeah, for sure. It's a... I mean, it is a road track. It's a real road track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be really good. I mean, the reviews on it are... Solid. I'm going up there in May to do a superbike class. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, on the uh, Panigale? No, um, like you rent bikes from this place, huh? BMW S1000RRs. What's the difference between your Panigale <clears throat> and that? Technically, not really much. But you don't want to ride your own bike? Are you afraid you're going to wreck it? I don't want to crash my own bike. Oh, um, do you think you'll crash? No, but is part of this class is like everyone is on the same bike. And I think there's a, I'm sure there's a reason as to why they're doing that. Well, I'm sure they have parts for those bikes and stuff if something goes wrong. Yeah, but I think part of it's just the the teaching as well. You know, um, if you have everyone on the same piece of equipment, then you can say something about it and everyone's, you know, traction control settings are the same or I don't know, who fucking knows. We'll find out. I'm going to teach a class on how to shoot pistols. But <clears throat> everybody has to show up with a Springfield XDS with grip zone. No, you don't have to bring that bike. They have no, them, they have them for, for you. you. I know, I'll have them. I'll so have there you 15 go, XDSs for every <laughs> participant. Sound familiar? Remember when we did the <laughs> uh, the 45 Long Colt thing? With God, I love that pistol. That was, you know what? That was actually a really cool video that we did with the recreation. Yeah, of... we, we had zero video experience and we made it. It was fun. It was cool, man. We should bring that shit back. That was... 
That was a cool video concept. Oh, so, dude, that was your idea, and I loved thank it. Thank you. Yeah, it was your idea. Well, no sense in saying thank you. You, you, you created greatness. I appreciate your uh, flattery. I fucked so, it all up. I'm, I can't you remember. You didn't fuck it all up. No, the first one was great. So the whole idea was for those listening to take a famous gun scene. I don't want to say gunfight because it's not like we were recreating a gunfight because there wasn't even shooting back. But uh, notionally. Those targets always shoot back. Right. <laughs> Not true. Take a famous gun scene and recreate it on the range and run through it. And so we started with the ending scene, well, ending fight of Unforgiven. We watched the scene a few times. Doug meticulously laid out. You did, man. You, dude, you put a lot of effort into it. It was not. It was yeah, right. It was cool. Yeah, it was, no, it was I mean, it, it probably took us. Took you. It was a lot of targets. 40. I will say this. When we started figuring out how many dudes he killed, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think it was like of, 12 targets. Yeah, I was like, there's a lot of targets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also going through the scene a number of times to try and figure out the relative distances, right? Because you're seeing the whole scene from different shot angles. So it was cool, though, man. We set that whole thing up, and then you did it 45 long cold, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also... In fact, we bought that gun specifically for that video. Didn't we start with some... We started with a carbine that I threw because he had to use the shotgun. Like he had the double barrel oh, shotgun. Yeah, yeah. So you get two shots and you had to discard the carbine <clears throat> and then you drew the forty five long Colt. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was it. I don't know. It was not 12 targets though. Maybe we'll... It, that wouldn't make sense. It'd only be eight no, shots. I think it may have been eight targets. Either way, setting up eight distinctly different target stands at a place that only has three <laughs> stands was a pain in the ass. It we was, had to bring our own target stands and wood. It was cool though, man. We had fun. It was a good time. Next, we should just do Predator. <laughs> Doug yeah. holds a minigun. Here in this scene, we recreate <laughs> heat. I'm just going to shoot this way and this way a lot. Eventually, cops will fall over. Everyone clear out. Yeah. All right, go. <laughs> And, it, and that's how we lost our membership at DPRC. You know what? There is probably a range like at Oak Grove or something that we could use to recreate a, a heat-like scene. Well, I mean, I certainly don't think they'd give a shit if we did. They've got cars. At yeah. that point, you know, the real question is, who's going to be Val Kilmer? <laughs> right? That movie, well, we talked about it yep, last time. talked about it last time. We're not going to talk about it today. If you've ever listened to Aaron and I have a conversation... It might seem like we have an infinite level of things we can talk about, but that's no, not true. We it's really always, just the same shit. We always return to the same It's like the shit same seven subjects. Over and over again. Yep. Sometimes different combinations. Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah. Um, in this instance, I am not drinking Seagram 7 from a candle holder, so that's a win. I'm spilling it all over myself. <laughs> Are you drinking much these days? Nope. No. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, it's funny because that whole thing with the bit gag on the... Professor Doug deal or the guys uh, like you guys are promoting a culture of alcoholism and I'm like um I have Sunday fun days with the friends out at like an open air place where we can bring the dogs and I have like two beers we're and the least alcohol like fueled organization I've ever worked for but also I think that I mean a lot of people aren't drinking because of health reasons yeah like not from not weight like genuine health reasons mm -hmm. and a lot of people aren't drinking just by personal choice, like for fitness or whatever. I just um, stopped enjoying it, man. Like I, I still like beer, but you know, the irony is I'm allergic to it. So like I could drink whiskey and never really feel like I've had two, two, two finger glasses of whiskey, same alcohol or whatever as two beers, but I wouldn't feel it. If I drink two beers, I feel like I have a hangover. I think two, two finger glasses of whiskey is, is like four beers. Is it? Is I think one a finger, finger is like a shot, right? I think two fingers is a shot. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. I think. I don't know. I mean, fuck, highlighting how little we know about booze. That's yeah. why you keep a fancy bartender in your hip pocket. That's right. <laughs> Just fold them out. <laughs> yeah. Bink. All right. I have this book. Yeah. I mean, I've got all this whiskey at home now. It's like never going to get drank until my kids get a little older. And... I still drink. Uh, if, I, if, if I have booze at the house, I'll mm -hmm. make myself like a, a drink at night or whatever. Right. Like to hang out. Not... <laughs> Not within an hour and a half or two hours of bed, though, because I know, like, if it's, like, close to bedtime, I'm like, no. What's your cocktail of choice? Uh, these days, I just drink straight bourbon or whiskey on, like, a couple pieces of ice. It's not really a cocktail. No. I mean, I'll make a gin and tonic, I guess, if that's there. But, again, okay. I usually have one bottle in the house. You have bitters or anything? Oh, uh, no. No? I just put gin and tonic in a thing with a splash of lime and go to town. I could see you with, like, a... 
a custom bar cart that's got like the the SF crest on it. I would something. love one of those, but also I feel <clears> like I mean, I feel like my world is opening up to such a thing now. You know, or like it I also it's worth noting that in the last few years of my relationship, we discovered that <laughs> alcohol, oddly enough, any amount, even a friendly, like I'm not drinking enough to be problematic, greatly heightens tensions and emotions. So like two beers. So it affects you more than you realize. Oh, for sure, man. Like yeah. dude, two beers is enough to really kick off a fight about nothing. <laughs> um, however, if, uh, at least one of us who's legally allowed to consume natural products is consuming those natural products, we are like 100 times less likely to have an argument about anything. That's no surprise. Yeah, none at all. But I was really surprised to find out that like even like, you know, hey, a glass of wine with dinner and then there's like some heated argument about nothing. I'm like, why are we arguing about nothing? Yeah. I have a question for you. No. Total change of subject. Yep. So yesterday, as I was going through... Some uh, some drawers in my dresser. <clears throat> if I had this, if I made the statement, you never know what I was going to come out with. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not going to be that exciting. I came across a bunch of workout shirts that were given to me by uh, Josh and uh, and Mike, the most SF guy to ever walk the face of the most earth. SF dude to ever SF. And I was like, man, why the fuck did I bury these like deep? In, uh, you know, the the bowels of a drawer that I never go in. And then I was thinking about it on the way in this morning. And here's where I'm going to ask your advice. So, you remember Drunk Bill? I'm not going to say his last name. Oh, man. Drunk Bill. Yeah. How can you forget him? Drunk Bill is awesome. Drunk Bill. That man is more, <clears throat> is more of a character than any human I've ever met. Drunk Bill gave me. I, dude, I fucking love Drunk Bill. Dude, I love him too. But he's like a. It's odd to see someone who's like so transparent about what they're feeling on every issue. And like when you ask him a question that you expect him to like kind of like at least skirt a little bit, he gives you like a super direct answer about it. And you're like, I feel like you're being really genuine. Like it's it's so direct. You're like, he's a very genuine guy. So are you fucking with me, man? Also, it's funny, not funny. Like all the dudes you talk to that have worked with him have all said really good things. Everybody about loves him. that guy. Yeah. No, but in terms of like. Speaking he's not, of a cultural alcoholism, he's, he's not a shit show. Speaking like, of a cultural alcoholism, he, well, he is a fine representation of the high performing alcoholics that <laughs> the regiment produces. Fair enough. <laughs> so <clears throat> he gave me a shirt, and I think it was from his company. It was uh, it was a t shirt with uh, it was like I think a stag skull over the fifth group flash. Yeah, and he gave it to me one of the years at the hog hunt, and. On the way back home, I was flying through Denver International Airport, and I had and I was wearing that shirt. Somebody um, asked you if you're fifth group. Yeah, well, I was sitting on the plane, and this old dude walked on, and he looked at me, and he just gave me this fucking wink. Right? It wasn't. I mean, I was like, man, I feel like such a fucking poser. Still invading countries, no <clears> pussy <throat> were taken. <laughs> and uh, a legion. Yeah, afterwards, I was like, man, like, maybe I shouldn't wear this thing. And I think I just fucking buried... The other shirts are, like, dry fit, like, shirts. I think it's a legitimate um, concern. And I think that... Uh, I, I got rid of the t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wish that I still had it, but, like, it's like, you, man... You and I are nostalgic in the same way, where I will keep <laughs> things that I will never wear just because they were given to me by someone that I care about. And well, every time I see it, I'll feel warm inside. I'll be like, man, I miss that guy. Also, I'm not going to wear that. I'm curious because... Like, I know genuinely that wearing that shirt was me being like, man, like, I had a fucking awesome time with these dudes, yeah. and I'm, like, grateful for this gift, right? But I also could get kind of nervous, maybe, uh, I don't know, with the, you know, feeling uh, self-critical, uh, you know. Well, it's about weird. It's Man, a conflict. Like, do, do other people think that I'm like being a fucking poser? Uh, well, it's a conflict because, like, the truth of the matter is, you should be able to wear whatever the fuck you want because it's a free country. Well, uh, sure, but it's not about. So, the shirt was given to you by someone who you cared about, who was making a statement about how, like, they're like, "Hey, man, I think you like this," and like, it's a cool thing. And you guys, you could wear it around him forever, and it would never feel weird. But then there's like fucking hater dudes that are like, "Well, where'd you get that? Why the fuck are you wearing it?" And you're like. 
are you actually like most of those guys aren't even in the Legion. Most of those dudes are like not well, fifth group. So dudes. that's the whole thing, right? It's like if you saw a dude wearing a shirt from like an ODA you'd been on. I would definitely talk to him assuming they'd been on the ODA. Right. And, and if, then and if, if that, that guy was immediately like, was like, oh man, this shirt was given to me by a friend. You wouldn't be like, fuck that guy. No, I for mean, sure not. No, but you, I would also like, right, cool. I would also be like, oh man. Like, why are you wearing cool. that? Cool. In my head, I'm like, that's weird. The only people we give those shirts to are chicks we banged. <laughs> <laughs> well, Drunk Bill did not have sex with my bottle. So <sighs> not that you know of. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. After a handful of quaaludes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, uh, we definitely on, on my first ODA had two runs of shirts made. We had a certain color that only the team guys got. And then we had like olive drab ones made like undershirts that we gave to support guys and, and, uh, female fans. And, um, I, I feel like those days are gone. I feel like it's one of those deals where we joke about how, if it's like, your first time to do something and you admit it, you be, you owe somebody a case of beer. Well, I don't think really people force that anymore. I mean, maybe some places, but I mean, your first time to do something. No, like in SF, it's like one of the the old rules. Like if you, uh, so you never ever ever confess to never having done something before, ever. Like it doesn't matter how bad it is. So like in two thousand eight, I think I was behind a Chinook in Afghanistan. So basically our sister team needed an extra body for a ramp landing with ATVs in Afghanistan, like in a high altitude situation. Mm -hmm. They were like, you've done that before, right? I'm like, yeah, for sure. Uh huh. No. <laughs> and like in my head, I'm thinking can't be that hard. It's all good. Right. So like we go out on the flight line or that HLZ and these Chinooks land. And I'm like seeing them under nods across the flight, like uh, across the HLZ. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're cool, we're cool. And, like, we're all lined up. I'm like, man, this is so badass. I have no idea what I'm doing. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm literally with all these badass dudes. I look over to my right, and it's just, like, a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder lineup of fucking hard-ass-looking dudes on ATVs with, like, guns and shit. And I'm like, man, this job is so fucking cool. And some guys, like, yelled at me before, like, okay, man, we're going to back on so you can just drive right off. And, like, oh, that's cool. I didn't even... I didn't even think about that. You know, I'm like, I would have just pulled right onto the fucking helicopter. Good thing I got that lesson. So I'm just sitting there on the bike and like the, the rotor wash is getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this is crazy. How are we supposed to load this helicopter this way? Like, are they going to fucking spin down the rotors or what? And like, it's so much that I have to close my eyes to keep all the sand from getting my eyes. And I'm just sitting there like trying to be hard, hanging onto the handlebars and feeling like I'm about to fly away like a kite. Like it is no shit intense. And I like turn my head to the right and look and there's like nobody there anymore. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I look to the left, nobody there. And I look up in front of me and like the Chinook has drifted across the HLZ. It still hasn't fully landed. And I could like reach out and touch the back ramp. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I look back and everybody's backed up like 200 feet <laughs> on their bikes. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there. So like I back the bike up and the guy's like, damn, man. What are you doing? I was like, oh, just fucking around, waiting for them to land. <laughs> you know, like, but I'm like, about to get cut in half by a helicopter rotor. No big deal. Uh, but yeah, definitely if I had said, never done that before, A, I would have gotten shit on, and B, I would have had to buy a case of beer. Yeah. So yeah, you're always like, oh, three tie boy hookers at the same time? Pfft, that's Tuesday for me. All right. Yeah. Well, just to go back to this. I'm just saying these does, are like weird does, traditions yeah, yeah. that people don't really apply, but people have some odd emotional tie to for we don't know why. Right. But does like context matter? Like in the case of the shirts. Context that, always matters, but you have to give the context and first so impressions. I'm saying like if I took that shirt and I showed up to like a shooting class, I feel like that would be communicating disingenuous, uh, you know, like I don't want to say vibe, but like. I'd be communicating disingenuously about some sort of my tie background that like right? led people to believe you're a subject matter expert. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and I'm not even saying like if I, you know, I wouldn't fucking be leading the class, but even if I just showed up to a as class. As long like as the that, shirt right? doesn't say like Cephalic NCOIC or something or cadre, you're probably okay. But, <laughs> you know, just like wearing it out and about is kind of, uh, is, is that, is that wrong? Well, it's know. a little weird. Because it feels a little living weird. in Fayetteville, every dude on every ODA. Well, that's just, I, I hate using absolute language. Somebody's going to shit on this, <laughs> but it would seem that in Fayetteville, there's no real shame in wearing your team gear out doing stuff. And guys typically will do it, especially your newer guys. 
But if you go out in like Southern Pines or Pinehurst where there's <clears throat> another echelon of cool guy <clears throat> or two above SF guys, you don't see anyone claiming any affiliation to any organization because no one wants to like run into somebody who's cooler than them who would judge them for being proud of being part of an organization that isn't that cool. And guys may not admit that, but that's where it's at, right? Where it's like, dude, like if you're, if you're, um, like if you're some podunk town SWAT guy, you're probably not going to wear like Paducah SWAT to an HRT rally or like a training session where HRT is. You're just going to be like, yeah, man, it's so cool to be with these HRT guys. I'm going to learn a thing or two. Right. Right. Um, but if you're in Paducah, you can guarantee you're going to wear your SWAT shit to rub it in the face of all the fat deputies that are like moonlighting as jailers. Nah, man, I'm on this. I'm a tech officer. Yeah, bro. Cool. Cool story. So you're basically saying it's just about the size of the pond that you're in. I think so. And I don't think it matters. I mean, it, I think it's like if you want to wear the shirt, you wear the fucking shirt. But also understand that like there's an intrinsic meaning to the shirt. Like if you're going to wear like a thin blue line shirt, people are going to assume that you're backing the blue and hate black people. I totally get it. That's not what I'm supposed to say. But the it? only reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, no comment. The only time, the I'm only not... time this Patriot kneels is to suck a hero cop's dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it? What did the phrase do? The only time this hero kneels for the flag is, uh, to suck a hero cop's dick. Yeah. Noted. <laughs> I had not heard that one before. It's a great shirt. Um, if you wore that shirt, it would say very much about your <laughs> desire to get in a fight with everyone. Right. I bought a shirt in Nashville, Tennessee. We were visiting my, my wife's family many years ago. We went to the farmer's market and there was this, uh, like Christian themed store or like, you know, stall. Yeah. And this dude there had all these shirts, apparently talking about, some this isn't a bible passage but this guy insisted that there was like a real story about jesus slaying a dragon and he had all these shirts that were jesus with fucking light shining down holding slaying like a, a fucking two-handed claymore right uh isn't this a saint george story i don't know but it was it was basically like jesus in like a dungeons and dragons scene you know and i had to buy one um, I'm now Googling Jesus killing a dragon story because that's rad. It was awesome. The shirt was really cool. But uh my wife was really pissed and was like, that's fucking that's disingenuous for you to wear a shirt like that. Because someone will wear that shirt being really proud of what that story stands for. Did your wife say that? Yeah, and you're doing it to kind of make Why fun is she of so sensitive to these things? <laughs> it sounds like a rad shirt. It was cool. Humor me. Let's see. Jesus. Like, I'm five deleted Bible scenes in which Jesus kicks some ass. No, no, that's not it. No, this is uncracked. So I'm curious. But I mean, Jesus, Dragon Master, the New Testament, just uh, 27 books. This is all the Apocrypha. Um, Jesus slays dragon. Gospel of Pseudo Matthew. Um, what? It doesn't. This is the worst thing. Two years after Jesus was born. I don't know. This is weird. I'm just reading too much. Where's the dragon? An actual... Uh, what you may not have known is that on their way to Egypt, Jesus and his family stopped to rest in a cave, which to their surprise was populated by a herd of dragons. This is an apocryphal story. Um, actual scaly fire breathing winged lizard dragons and lo suddenly there came forth from the cave many dragons and when the children saw them they cried out in terror then Jesus went down from the bosom of his mother and stood on his feet before the dragons and they adored Jesus and thereafter retired ah so he didn't actually slay them he slayed them with he his good them nature with kindness. Yeah. <laughs> well that's a little bit different now isn't it yeah the claymore of kindness <laughs> really really did it Hmm. All right. Well, there you go. Well, <clears throat> if I ever see that guy again. Oh, here's here's a story. In Thomas's versions of events, Jesus was casually strolling around town, running divine errands. Boy bumps into the street. So what would Jesus do? 
he was provoked and said unto him, Thou shalt not finish thy course. And immediately he fell down and died. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. All right. No? I, will, I would be interested in studying theology just from the stories. So I'm, I feel like people, people that are listening to this podcast may have just felt a surge of energy, but into this podcast room, a presence just came. The presence of Jesus? I'm not sure who it is, but whoever it is is carrying two golden tablets, and it is telling me that you and I are to bring a message to the people. In Japan? Um, apparently all over the world saying that luckily they waited till the 21st century to bring us this message so that we could carry it on modern airplanes. Are uh, you talking about the coronavirus? No, I'm talking about uh, this. Do, are you literally, are you not hearing this right now? There I'm is. I'm trying to find this Jesus dragon. You're so distracted by your phone that you're not seeing Moroni in our podcasting room. I don't know enough about. Bringing the, me the word. I don't know enough about the New Testament, man. I think you're missing out. On the fact that it doesn't matter what you know about the New Testament, we about to make this shit up. <laughs> All right. Well, See, we I have... whispered that so no one in the podcast heard. But I'm here to tell you that the new emissaries of truth and light are Aaron Woolman and Doug Keyswinner. We've definitely disobeyed our no religion rule. I mean, no politics or religion. Um, at least five podcasts ago, we talked about joining a cult. Now we're talking about starting one. And... I don't need no pushback from you, Aaron. This is our real power play. We've been needing to expand our customer base, and I've found the way to do it. Also, in addition to finding salvation and eternal life in the words on these golden tablets that I can't show you, um, I am also going to tell you that rule number 11 on the tablet says you must subscribe to the Softly <laughs> training app. <laughs> and you must get your whole family subscribed as well. And it's going to work. You watch John Stewart or John Oliver? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Did you see the one about uh, the bakers? Oh yeah, and the fucking buckets of slop. Yep, buckets of slop, dude. Unbelievable. Mm, delicious. Think about it. your family could eat that for for twenty years. When the apocalypse comes, you you need a fucking. Well, the thing that I don't understand <clears throat> is that I believe, and I'm no, I, I'm not a a well-versed theologian, but I was, I was believing that the believers would be taken back. Unless Jim Baker believes in 144,000 select believers being taken to heaven, I think that the people who are left behind are people who are not true believers. Interesting. So if you're watching Jim Baker really preparing for the apocalypse... business plan, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, here, if you're a doubting Thomas and you're not certain that you're going to get taken back to heaven, prepare. With 85 buckets of food. Yeah, but I also feel like Jim should really sell some guns because all that dried food is going to be easily taken by some savage like me running around with two golden tablets and a bunch of followers on workout programs. It's so weird, man. It's just a tax on stupid people. Just be careful what you wish for. I believe that taxes on stupid people are how all of us make our living. <laughs> <laughs> Not softly. Customers. Yeah, no, if they did what they were told, then they would see the value of our product. But instead, it's it's like, hey, I'll you know do what? it next month. <clears throat> Actually, I am going to come out and say oh, God. that I believe that the usage statistics from our customers are way above industry averages. I believe that. I mean, the... the the price isn't high, but the price is high enough that people that are spending that much, like $35 a month on it, are mm -hmm. probably more, much more likely to use the product. Yep. I agree with that. It's not it's not like a $7 a month, I pay for it and forget about it type thing. Yep. So. I believe that. And I also believe in the product, but also <clears throat> I think that <clears throat> much like putting your bullshit out on front street so that people can't attack you for it, it's always good to take yourself not so seriously. We never take ourselves seriously. That's right. That's why the 11th commandment says subscribe to softlytraining.com. <laughs> you guys might be thinking that I'm joking right now, but uh, <laughs> the we need to get you a fucking 800 number. 
the angel is telling me right now that the, uh, the Aaron will not show. survive the first cut. <laughs> I definitely won't survive the first cut, man. It's like uh, it's my chosen my chosen ones that will be following Doug into the promised land. They I said got... Aaron will wander in the desert with us for forty years, but he will not be allowed to enter the promised land. No, oh, man, I'm supposed to be sacrificed so the apocalypse can start. I know my place. <laughs> Dude, this this storyline is getting macabre. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, man, sometimes you just got to accept it. Ah, uh, the bottom of the barrel, the perfect blend of high, medium, and lowbrow humor. <laughs> I feel like this episode was way more wandering than the previous one. Yeah, like like our people. Like, not as good. Well, I don't like it when you attribute good or bad to things. I feel like it's a sure way to just know just, defeat. Just let it be. I don't think we've ever done a good one of these. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> every week, I'm like, man, what do we talk about? Fuck, I don't know. Well, uh, what are we going to talk about next week? I don't know, but let's do one. Are we finding new bottoms of the barrel? Uh, well, clearly we haven't actually found the bottom yet. Right. <laughs> we'll keep digging. <laughs> yeah, until next week. Choose. Or as the Swedes say, poos poos. Later. <laughs>